Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Hi, just a reminder, we're doing these talks live on Zoom every week. So if you'd like to be part of it as it goes on, and there are questions and answers at the end, you can ask a question if you like. Uh, we'd love to have you and become part of the community. Just subscribe at Torah on iTunes.com. Okay. I'm glad you're here. Um, we have, we have nothing less than, than, than the creation of the entire universe laying before us. Rosh Hashanah is, is coming and, um, everybody wants to know what to do, you know? Uh, I, I had this experience, uh, on Shabbos. Um, I, I, I sort of like was in someone's backyard. It was this tiny minion. And then without, uh, any, any kind of notice whatsoever, someone just sort of turned to me and said, and now, uh, I now say something for the people. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, I, what am I going to say? And I, I thought of, I, some crazy deep things, um, things that I hope to share with you right now. And I was like, this is not the forum for this. So I, I tried to say something, um, sort of like something that, that we can just all wrap our minds around. Um, uh, and, and so let me just begin with just something very, very, very practical, um, which is, which is, I don't know if it was the the uh, Rav Frummer or whether it was the uh, the the Eish Kodesh who said this, but um, by the way, they were they were contemporaries and 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 they they knew each other, which is very exciting. Two of these great gedolim. Um, we're going to learn uh, some Torahs from the Eish Kodesh today. He was also known as the the Piasetsna Rebbe and and the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto, um, and he has some phenomenally deep things to say. But anyway, here's the teaching. What does Hashem want from us right now? Uh, and, and the answer is he wants us to come closer. And I, I, just, I just love that because, you know, we're going to sort of like try to plumb the depths of reality in a few moments. But when all is said and done, what does Hashem want from us from these holidays that are approaching right now, especially Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And, and just simply put, he just, he wants us to come closer. And I think that once a person hears that, they'll know what to do. You, you will know what to do with that information. So, so with that in mind, Let's let's go uh, deeper. Let's go into uh, the Eish Kodesh, and these Torahs that I'm about to tell you right now are are contained in a collection of his writings called uh, Derech Hamelech, um, which I guess would be translated as the the Path of the King. Um, so 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 here's what he says, and we're just we're really diving right away into the deep end. Okay. He says that, you, you know, human beings were created on the sixth day of creation. Um, and, and, and the first day of Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah, 
is actually the sixth day of creation. We, we talk about it as the, the anniversary of the creation of the world, which it is, but it's not the first day of creation. That, that, that's, that's just a good thing to know. The 25th of Elul is the first day of creation, and that's going to be, um, that's coming up. That might, that might actually be either tonight or, or tomorrow night. Um, check your calendar. But the 25th day of, of uh, Elul is actually the first day of creation. But we start to get excited by the sixth day of creation, because that's, that's when human beings are created. And that's since that was really the, the focal point of creation, to create this, this unbelievable um, sort of like a playground, if you will, or, or, or battleground, however, however you want to uh, understand it, where free choice could take place. Um, that was the point. The universe is a forum. Um, it's a framework where free choice can take place. And so since, um, since we're the ones who have free choice, and since that was the point of all creation, that's why, that's why we're celebrating um, the anniversary of the birth of creation with the, with the creation of human beings, because that, that was the whole point for there to be a creature in, 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 in the spiritual worlds who could actually choose to serve God. We're the only ones. We're the only ones. Remember, angels don't have free choice. Angels see not all of God. Only God sees all of God. But angels see this quantum level of godliness that, that, that we don't see. And they're so paralyzed in front of the, the awesomeness of God, that, that they can't choose to do anything wrong. But again, God wanted there to be this, this creature in existence where his presence would be concealed enough that we could decide, do, do we want to do it? Do we not want to do it? And then choose to do the right thing. Okay, so, so that's the purpose of the entire universe. Now, what happens on the very, very first day of creation of the human being? What happens? We defy God. And we eat from the tree of knowledge. Okay? Instead of from the tree of life, by the way. Um, and, and, and by the way, also important to know, we were destined to eat from the tree of knowledge. You know, God is an anti-knowledge. Torah, Judaism is not anti-knowledge. We love knowledge. It just, you have to have life before you have knowledge. And the, the example that I always give, because it's like, you know, a lot of children think they're really smart, but they haven't had life experience yet, right? So this is an example of eating from the tree of knowledge before you eat from the tree of life. So, so a kid will tell you, if one candy bar tastes good, right? Then if I eat 30 candy bars, that will be the ultimate. That will be, that will be awesome. And the parent says, no, no, no. If you eat 30 candy bars, you're going to get, you're going to get sick. You're going to get a stomach ache. And the child goes, okay, where did I lose you? <laughs> if one candy bar is great... 30 candy bars will be 30 times great. It's obvious, Dad. You know, you know, please try try to keep up with me. 
And, and so what is the child lacking? The child is lacking life experience. You know how the world works, at least a little better than the kid does, right? So, so when you have experience, then that's like eating from the tree of life. Then you have the ability to incorporate knowledge. Otherwise, knowledge just kind of throws you on all these false paths because you don't know how the world works. Okay. Anyway, that's just a little overview of eating from the tree of knowledge. But, but the point is, the point is, and we're still getting to the words of the Eish Kodesh here. The point is that the day where we were created is the day that we ate from the tree of knowledge. And, and so the Eish Kodesh says that Rosh Hashanah, which is again, the day that human beings were created, Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary of us eating from the tree of knowledge. It's the anniversary of us, you know, really kind of going on the wrong path. And so therefore, Rosh Hashanah is the day that we have to fix eating from the tree of knowledge. And and he says that every single person has to do it within themselves in their own way. So, by the way, that, that I thought was an awesome thought just right there. Uh, the idea that each person has the ability to do it in their own way. Maybe not fix the, he says, maybe not fix the entirety of, of, of how we went wrong as a, as a people. Remember, Adam and Chava contained all of the future of humanity within themselves. Now we're all these kind of like little subdivisions of, of humanity. Nonetheless, within ourselves, we can, we can affect a big change. So, so we're going to go deeper still. So what, is it, what does it mean for each one of us in our own way, in our own lives, to fix the tree of knowledge? And, and how does it impact the world when we do it? Why is it so important? So, so he says, listen, you can't fix eating from the tree of knowledge unless you understand what went wrong. What, what is it that, that happened? And, and he says that basically our minds and our hearts got separated. We not only, now remember, we sort of exiled ourselves from God, but we, we have to kind of understand those words um, a, a little bit better. Because God didn't go anywhere. <laughs> God stayed right there. So when we say, See, like when you say that the Jewish people were exiled from the land of Israel, then there's two separate entities. There's the land of Israel and there's the Jewish people who are now separate from the land because they're not in the land anymore. So that's how we understand this word exile, that, that now there was one entity, but now there's two separate entities. But that's not the case with us and God, because God fills the entire world. God's not going anywhere. So then what does it mean that we exiled ourselves from God if God was still there? 
Uh, let me repeat that question because we're, we're really getting into kind of the crux of the whole human condition right now. What does it mean that we exiled ourselves from God if God fills everything and there's no going away from God wherever we go? Even if we descend into the depths of spiritual impurity, God is still there. And it says that God goes with us into the exile itself. Okay. So now this is going to get deep. The idea is that we have exiled ourselves from ourselves. And when we exile ourselves from ourselves, we're no longer capable of seeing God's presence all around us. And this is the idea of the mind and the heart being separated. Now, let's talk about that in practical terms, because that's, it's a little esoteric. My mind and my heart are separated. Okay, I sort of get it. Not really. What does it mean? That means, see, the tree, when I eat, the Ish the, Kodesh really wants to understand that when I eat from the tree of knowledge, all of a sudden, my brain becomes supercharged and is kind of running the show without my heart. That means that from now on, and you really have to hear these words, as as Reb Shlomo would say, open up your heart, right? From now on, I can hear something and understand something and not feel it. That's what it means that your mind and your heart is separated. That's what it means to eat from the tree of knowledge, that your mind is now so supercharged that it's thinking, but it's no longer feeling. Or let's talk about the other side. He talks about the other side as well. The heart now is no longer connected to the mind. What what does that mean, practically speaking? That means that my heart wants me to do things, and you can, you can substitute the word desires. My heart or desires want me to do things, and I do them even though I know they're not good for me. That's what it means that the heart is separated from the mind. That the heart now is directing me on paths that the mind does not agree with. They're now functioning independent of each other. I'm thinking things without feeling things, and I'm doing things even though my mind says, that's not in your best interest. Now that division, which we all experience to a large extent, that division took place when we ate from the tree of knowledge. We separated ourselves from ourselves. We became in exile from ourselves. God didn't go anywhere. But now we have trouble perceiving the closeness of God. Because our minds and our hearts are not working together anymore. Now, we're, we're, we're still going to go deeper, okay? 
And by the way, just to finish up this thought before we get to the next, but we're going to stay on the same subject. The idea is we need to get our minds and our hearts together. Now I'm going to give you a test, okay? Here's, here's, a, here's a question that you can ask yourself. And um, it's a very important, this is like a, a spiritual self-exam, okay? The question is, is your body an emanation of your soul? Or is your body a separate entity that covers over your soul? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say that one more time. Is your body an extension, an emanation of your soul so that you are this coherent entity? Or is your body a separate entity from your soul and your body covers up your soul? See, what I'm, what I'm doing right now, and again, we're learning from the Yesh Kodesh right now, from Derech HaMelech. What I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm doing right now is I'm changing the language of mind and heart being separated but we're, I'm putting it in a more practical way that you understand that mind and heart is another paradigm for body and soul. Okay? So, so let me tell you why this is so important for you to be a coherent entity. And again, the Ish Kodesh makes this point. Because the question is, what are your actions? You see, if my body is an emanation of my soul, then my actions are a reflection, an outpouring of my soul. If my, if my soul is separated from my body, then my actions are not representative of who I truly am because my heart might be taking me in a different way or my mind might be detached so that all of a sudden my actions are are compromised because they're not flowing from the essence of me because my body is detached from my soul on some level. Okay. So, so clearly, clearly, what we, what, what we want to strive for is to be beings whose bodies are extensions of their soul, so that our actions are outpourings from our soul to our body to our hands and feet and words and thoughts. This is, this is what we want. This, this is how to become a realized person. Okay? It's the path toward it. Okay. And, and, of, and of fixing the eight sadas. Remember, the tree of knowledge. Each one of us has to do it in our own lives and in our own way. 
But this is the goal. This is the structure that we strive for. Okay. Now, I want to go deeper. And again, this is from the Ish Kodesh. You see, we have this idea of garments. Um, uh, in, in Hebrew, we would say uh, a, a lavush. Okay, that's, that's how you say a, a garment. Now, garments are very, very deep. And you have garments, like on some, on some level, your body is a garment covering your soul. That, that's one way to understand garments, okay? But the, the term um, of a lavush, lavushim is plural, also exists in the spiritual worlds, okay? You see, we have this idea that um, basically we call it tzimtzum, but let's put it in the language of, of garments right now. You have Hashem who's absolutely beyond and, and, and has no human form um, at all. But the rabbis will use certain phrases that we can't really take literally. But it's just, excuse me, it's just so that the mind can hold on to something. Okay? So these are all metaphors. Keep that in mind. So we talk about Hashem's outer garment of light. Okay, so so again, God doesn't wear a coat, right? He doesn't have a body. But nonetheless, we have to begin to go transition. Remember, one of the one of the centerpieces of Kabbalistic thought is is trying to understand, to comprehend how the infinite created a finite world. How can the finite exist within the infinite? They, they, should, they, they, they shouldn't be able to coexist because the infinite is so constantly expansive and so awesome that anything that tries to be finite within it should be blown apart, should be blown to pieces. So, so, Tzimtzum, this idea is going to try to address the transition of the infinite. And by the way, even though the finite does exist, that's this world, that's our bodies, that's our minds. Even though the finite does exist, it exists within the infinity of God. And then God transcends even the infinite, right? We want to think of what's the most exalted word that we can use for God's awesomeness. So we'll try to use the word like infinite. But you understand that even the word infinite is putting parameters around God. <laughs> because God is beyond that, beyond even that. Okay? Okay, fine. So one way to visualize this process of the transition from the infinite to the finite and not, that's not all of God. Not all of God is coming down, but, but, you know, an aspect of God. Because remember, God 
saturates all of existence. He fills all the world and then exists dimensions beyond this world as well. So, so God, so to speak, takes this outer garment of light, which is still like awesome light. Like, I mean, that's like the highest energy, right? And then he puts a garment over that. 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 And then you can get basically from Keter, if you want to think about it in terms of the basic Kabbalistic map, all the way down to Malchus, which stands for the physical universe. It's garment after garment after garment after garment. But remember, each of the ten spherot contains ten spherot. (laughs) And I'm sure it drills down infinitely within that. So the number of spiritual realms, of worlds, of garments, is probably without end. Okay? But eventually, that energy, that outer garment of light, that energy becomes condensed through this series of enwrapments of garments to the physical universe. And by the way, Einstein gave us the math for that. That's what E equals MC squared means. E stands for energy, light. And he gave us the ratios, the formula for how energy becomes mass or matter, or in our terms, how this outer code of divine life, light, becomes the physical universe. Okay. So now, so now that we understand this concept of garments, let's go back to this idea that your body is a garment for your soul. And let's go back to the idea that each person is a world and is a microcosm. Each person is a microcosm of the whole universe. That's why it says in the Talmud, if you save one person, it's like you save the whole world because each person is a microcosm, a miniature of the world itself. So now with that in mind, listen to this, because this is wild. If I can make my body and my soul one entity, if I can get rid of the separation so that my actions reveal the true essence of my soul, which is good, that parallel activity happens in the heavens so that Hashem gets less covered over by his garments and Hashem becomes more revealed in the world. In other words, if my body is a covering over my soul and it's hiding my soul, then God is also hiding in the world. That just like my body is a garment 
covering my soul, which is not what we want, so too nature and the physical universe covers over and hides God. To the extent that I become a realized human being and my body and my soul become unified, that reverberates in the heavens and God is not covered over by his garments, but he's reflected within his garments. And his oneness becomes revealed. Now let's listen to how the Eish Kodesh explains a Zohar. It says that it says let me just pull it up here for a second. That there are daytime garments and that there are nighttime garments, day clothes and night clothes. And that's it. That's, I mean, that's all he quotes of the Zohar. Day clothes and night clothes. But now, based on what we've been learning up until now, we can hear something absolutely phenomenal. What are night clothes? Okay, so on the simplest level, those would be like our pajamas. We wear them when we go to sleep. We wear them when it's dark out, okay? But darkness means only one thing when we're talking about spirituality. Darkness means that, that, that revelation is covered over, that, that you can't see the light of Hashem. Darkness is like negativity. It's confusion. So, so the nighttime garments that the, that the Zohar is referring to, the Eish Kodesh explains, is when our physical reality, the physical world, covers over the light of Hashem. And daytime clothes... He's saying that this is also referring to the garments of all of the worlds, that the daytime clothes are when the light of Hashem is revealed and we can see the oneness of God in the world and in our lives. And whether the world shows us nighttime clothes, like during the Holocaust, God forbid, or daytime clothes, like the establishment of the state of Israel and all these peace treaties that are popping up left and right now, unbelievably. These are daytime clothes. That, that, that what will be revealed on a very deep level in terms of the world will be how we approach our own bodies. Whether our body is a nighttime cloth covering over our soul, or a daytime cloth revealing the essence of our soul. And that's, that's, that's how it works together. So, so he goes further. The Ish Kodesh now goes further. 
And this is, this is amazing. You know, when we worship the golden calf um, by mistake, out of our confusion, we didn't know what to do. We thought Moshe Rabbeinu was dead and we didn't think it was a God, but we, we were afraid of a direct relationship with God. And we thought, well, Moshe is kind of an, an intermediary. Let's make a different intermediary. But, but what God wants from us is that direct relationship with him. He doesn't, he doesn't want any intermediaries. We can have helpers. We can have tzaddikim and guides and things like this. That's good. We need leaders. But, but primarily, God wants us to have that direct connection with him. That's, and that's in essence, really, what was so horrible about this sin of the golden calf was that in, 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 our, in our lack of spiritual maturity, we were afraid of this very, very beautiful, very deep, very loving relationship, which is in front of us at all times and which we can choose at all times. You know, I once heard Rabbi Mati Berger say something. He said, you know, when two people are in a relationship, who determines the relationship? The one who is more invested in the relationship or the one who is less invested in the relationship? And the answer is, it's the one who's less invested in the relationship and and, and he gave this example, which makes total sense. If, if I call you every single day, and then you return my call once a month, do we have an everyday relationship, or do we have a once a month relationship? And the answer is very clear. We have a once a month relationship, because you need two sides for a relationship. That's the definition of a relationship. So it's the one who's less involved that that determines the relationship. If I call you every day and you call me back every single day, then we have an everyday relationship. So do you want to hear something awesome? Our phone is ringing from God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. (laughs) God wants us to have a constant relationship. You hang up first. No, you hang up first. I can't hang up. I can't hang up. And then it's just up to us. The phone is constantly ringing. It's just a question of just picking it up. And you go, oh, no, but um, I don't keep Shabbos, or I didn't, or I did this wrong, or I did that wrong, or God doesn't want to be in a relationship with me. Okay, take a moment. What do you hear? I hear the phone ring. <laughs> Who's calling? God. Why is God calling? Because he wants to be in a relationship. But I did all this stuff wrong. He still wants to be in a relationship. God never doesn't want to be in contact with us. Okay? So so that's that's the thing. That's the that's what went wrong with the with the whole um, golden calf situation, is that we we were afraid of that relationship, and and the thing is is that w- we can't be because 
All that exists is God. In other words, nothing in the world exists other than God. God is the only thing that exists. So, so, so we're with God no matter what. It's just a question of whether we want to be whole within ourselves and then recognize the reality around us. Okay, so now let's get back to the Ish Kodesh. So, so after we did the sin of the golden calf, Hashem says to Moshe, you know, now, you know, he, Hashem really is upset with this and says like, basically, I'm going to do away with the Jewish people. And then he says to Moshe, uh, I'm putting it in my own words, but he says, now stop trying to stop me. And Moshe wasn't saying anything. (laughs) And Moshe realizes God is giving him a hint of what to do. And Moshe goes, oh, I'm supposed to stop you. And then Moshe says, please don't do this. (laughs) And God says, okay, I'm not going to do it. So, So that's what the Gomorrah says. But now the Gomorrah says something else. And this is what the Eish Kodesh picks up on. An unbelievable teaching. And the, the sage from the Gomorrah says that if God himself wasn't telling us this, we couldn't say such a thing. And he explains, the Gomorrah explains that what Moshe did was he pulled God you ready for the key word? You ready? That Moshe pulled God by the garment as though he had grabbed the garment of a person, a friend, right? And pulled him close to him. Okay. So so again, God doesn't have any physicality whatsoever. This is just a metaphor for us to be able to understand what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing. So so Moshe says to God, God, it's not enough that you just forgive us. We don't want to just be forgiven. We want you to continue to lead us and to go with us. Don't, after this incident, just say, I forgive you, and then put like an angel in charge of leading the Jewish people. Because if that's the case, we we don't want to do that. We want you to stay with us. Now, again, let's understand that in light of everything we've been discussing up until now, and how the Eish Kodesh understands the Gomorrah's use of the idea that Moshe grabbed this garment, and pulled it close. Because remember, all of nature is just a garment that covers over God. Right? It's just like the most outer garment of God. Okay, remember, God doesn't have any physicality. But, but that's, that's what it is. And nature, the world, can conceal God. Or 
nature can reveal God. And so Moshe, holding on to the garment and pulling it close, said, I don't want us just to be forgiven. I want your essence to be revealed in us. I want us, all of us, should be filled with Kedusha, filled with holiness. That that garment shouldn't be a separation stopping us from seeing you. Rather, it should be reflected within us. That all we should see is your light. And all we should be is the most outer garment of you. Because that's what the Jewish people are. And this is where it gets fully mind-blowing intense. We are that last outer garment of Hashem. (laughs) And so everything is contingent upon us. And it all goes back to this idea of fixing the tree of knowledge within ourselves. And back to this question, is your body a reflection, an extension of your soul, such that your actions flow from your soul through your body, through your hands and feet, through your words and thoughts, so that you're a unified, coherent, holy individual, this last outer garment of God, so to speak? Or is there this division within ourselves so that our actions are like stains on the garment of Hashem? And the Ish Kodesh goes even further. He says, you know, in a year, and that's this year, by the way, In the year on the first day of Rosh Hashanah where the shofar isn't blown. That's this year, by the way. You ready for this? The words that you say on Rosh Hashanah are the shofar blast. (laughs) Because you are this most outer garment of Hashem. It's you and me. This is why we have to have a nice face to greet people with, to greet people with a smile, because because we're the last outer garment. When people are looking at us, they're looking at God. Not that we're God, by the way. But this is the last outer garment. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover. But do you know why people say you can't judge a book by its cover? Because people judge a book by its cover. (laughs) We're the cover. So now, let me give you another visual And this is a very old, very old, very, very holy um, teaching. So, you know, have you ever seen a snail? So you have a snail, and then you have 
the shell of a snail. But do you want to hear something wild? The shell is not something other than the snail. <laughs> this, this, the shell houses the snail, but the shell is the outermost garment of the, she- of the, of the snail at the same time. And Kaviyocho, so to speak, that's like Hashem. That this world and then the Jewish people are like the shell of the snail. The outermost garment. But we are a reflection of the thing itself, of Hashem himself. Okay, I want to change the imagery one more time. It says, the Navi says that Hashem stretches out the heavens like a scroll. So, that means on a deep level, the whole world is one safer Torah. Hashem stretches out the heavens like a scroll. This whole world, the fabric of reality, it's one Sefer Torah. And it says every Jew is a letter in the Torah. Do you know what that means? You standing right now, wherever you're sitting, wherever you are in the world, you're a letter. And the room around you, that's the page that you're on. (laughs) That's the scroll. We're all these letters walking around, moving around amidst the scroll. And you know what Hashem is waiting for, so to speak? For us to line ourselves up so that we become not just letters, but all of us together become the Torah itself. Because the scroll is the world and we're the letters. And let me tell you something so deep. This blew my mind. It came to me the other day. You ready? The last mitzvah of the Torah is write a Torah scroll. I want to say on a deep level, you know what it means to write a Torah scroll? When all of us arrange ourselves in the right way, when we're all unified, what does halacha mean? Halacha means keeping the Torah, the mitzvahs, but halacha also means to walk. When all of us walk and arrange ourselves and unify ourselves and there's peace among us and we all take our place where we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be, we're going to spell out as a people the entire Torah. That's going to be the last mitzvah of the Torah. We're going to finish the Torah. So I'm going to stop, I'm going to end in the way that I started by just telling you the simplest thing. What does Hashem want from us as this holiday comes closer? We've talked about a lot of things. Mostly 
fixing the tree of knowledge, which means becoming one with our body and our soul, our minds and our heart. And as we become unified, the world itself around us becomes unified. As we, as, 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 as we wear daytime clothes, meaning to say that our bodies and our actions are a reflection of our souls, the universe around us will also change from night clothes to day clothes. And the oneness of God will be revealed. But now let's get back to just the utter simplicity. What does God want from us? To come closer. And each one of us will know how to do that and what that means. Okay. I'm blessing you with the best year, with the most awesome year, with the most inspiration, with the most light, and that you should have, all of us together, should have vessels, Kaling, Kaling, to hold all the blessings that God wants to bring down into the world. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that the more that you become one with yourself, your mind and your heart, the more you see your body is not something that covers over your soul, but that is a reflection of your soul, an extension of your soul, the greater your vessels are going to be to hold more light. And I'm telling you, exciting things, groundbreaking things are happening in the world right now. There are openings for peace that haven't happened in decades. And that's because there's more vessels in the world now to hold more light. And I think that the reason why that there are bigger vessels, we're seeing, we're seeing the results. The reason why that there are bigger vessels being able to hold more light is because all of us are doing more and more work on ourselves and are using this time to grow and become more beautiful and more precious before God. And so may this year continue this incredible momentum. And, and I'm going to give you one last piece of very practical advice, one tool that you can use, because, you know, if what we're discussing just remains ideas and, and doesn't come into action, then, then, then this wasn't a success, right? We, we, we need absolutely to, to live these ideas. So, so I'll tell you something that I learned, one of my all-time favorite teachings from Reb Shlomo, in the name of the Yishbitzer Rebbe. He says, what are we supposed to do right now leading up to Rosh Hashanah? What are, we, what are we supposed to be doing? And he says, you're supposed to use this time, you ready for this? To fix everything you're doing right. <laughs> so you say, hey, wait a second. What you, fix everything I'm doing right. I'm already doing it right. I, th- I, I thought I'm supposed to fix everything I'm doing wrong. So he says like this, no, 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 this thing that you're doing right, are you doing it with all of your heart? So that's, that's, that's the idea. Begin with the things that you're already doing, but do them with 100% all of your heart. And then I'll tell you, if you do it with all of your heart, do you know what you're going to do? You're going to start to mend 
this tremendous divide between our hearts and our minds. When you do it with all of your heart, your heart and your mind are going to come together, which means your soul and your body and your actions are going to come together. And that's the key to how to begin. Take what you're already doing, but do it with mamish, all of your heart, and we're going to see the fixing of the entire world and the revelation of the oneness of God in all of reality. What follows now are some questions and so answers. So one, one of the things that you're mentioning, which is beautiful, and the, and the Eish Kodesh discusses this too, um, so I'm glad you're bringing up this point, was that Adam, that, that, that he, his, his, he was sort of like this creature of light. And, and, and so there was no distinction, really. I mean, it was a very fine distinction. They, they talk about like our fingernails, our, our coverings over our bodies, but our fingernails are translucent. So, so they don't, they don't um, obscure our body. They're sort of like little windows into our body. And so, so Adam's skin was sort of like a window into who he was. It was not a covering over or an obscuring. And so that was sort of like the greatness of, of, of human beings as we were initially created as these holistic, um, as these holistic entities um, where our inner light could shine through. And so that's why we were not sort of like embarrassed to be naked and why we weren't sort of fixated on each other's nakedness, because really um, all of our bodies were just these um, windows that were shining out the light of our souls. So, so it was very clear to us what the, what the essence of, of who we were and who each other was. Um, but then what happened was when we went against God, we became dislocated beings such that our hearts and our minds were separated. As I said before, we're going to think things and understand things that we're not going to feel with our emotions. And we're going to pursue desires that our brain is telling us don't do. And so our bodies and our soul, our actions, which are the fruit of our bodies, our actions became coverings over. Our, our bodies now are covering over our souls. And so now we're noticing each other's bodies, right? We're noticing our own bodies, right? We're trying to cover up, cover up our own bodies, right? Why, why would... We could have been fascinated and delighted by our bodies, like, oh, look, I got this body. I didn't notice it before. It's so cool. Wow, wow, wow. Why was our initial reaction to our bodies, embarrassment that we wanted to cover it over. Because we understood that we were covering up our souls at that point, that something unnatural had happened to us. So, so we were embarrassed about that because it's sort of like, that's not who I am. I mean, can you imagine like walking into the White House, like wearing a clown suit? It's like, you want to have your your best suit on, or you're going to an important meeting. You want to be dressed like a pirate, 
right? Like with some like kind of Halloween costume, you, you, you want to portray who you actually are. So that, that's where the, that's why we covered ourselves over because we were like in, 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 embarrassed that we were no longer reflecting who we were. Um, so, so yeah, the, 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 the gateway to fixing it, just to kind of review what we said, is to find that, that connection within yourself. You find, remember, the, the mitzvahs are, are divine pathways. They're connections between us and God. The, the root of the word um, mitzvah um, is, is this word for to connect. So that's what we want to do. We want to connect our bodies and our souls. We want to connect heaven with earth. We want to connect Jew, the Jewish people and the whole world with God. We, we want to connect our heart and our mind. And so mitzvahs are this primary way of connecting. So, so now you have to take a mitzvah that you love. Take a mitzvah that you love because that means that you already are it's already working on you, this mitzvah. Like Rebbe Nachman says, everyone's got to pick one mitzvah that they're going to become an expert in. Okay? And that, that, that might be a great thing to think about or resolve for Rosh Hashanah. Ask yourself, what is that mitzvah that I really enjoy doing? And now do it with all of your heart because that will be the heart of your connection, the headquarters of your connection. And the more that you increase in that, the more unity will come within the rest of your actions and the rest of your life. Yes, that's who we've been learning from. That's the Eish right. Kaddish. That's who all these Torahs are from. Right. So I was thinking about the story of the Golem. Um, yeah. And I was curious if you would say a few words about that story. And one thing I'm yeah. wondering was, is this the only time that we know of in Jewish history that a man-made, that I guess a rabbi has created almost like a man-made creature in the likeness of physical man since Adam, since Hashem created Adam, and also just, uh, I don't know, some words of the golem, there's a fascinating story, so I'm just very curious. Yeah, okay, so just a few things um, about the golem. So so one thing is that that a, a golem is, a, a golem has a body, but not a soul. So he's, he is, is, so, so, so we don't want to be golems. In fact, in fact, that in, in sort of like the old world in, in Eastern Europe, if someone who is so disconnected, they would call him a golem. And that, that was like an insult. It was a playful insult because it, it means that his phys- that basically all there was was that, that physicality. Now, the other thing is, is that the, the one who made the golem, who's most famous for it, even though it would have been great to have one in the Warsaw Ghetto, we could have used one, it was the Ma'ara. So, so that's going back a few hundred years. Um, and, and, but in the Gomorrah, they talk about the creation of, of a golem um, through using the, the um, divine names um, from the Sefer Yitzira. So... So that's kind of like a, a brief overview of, of golems. But, but people have asked practical questions like, can a golem be counted in a minion? And the answer is no. And so, so people take the idea of a golem seriously. Um, but it's, um, 
you know, it's something that someone has to be a ve- on a very, very exalted uh, level to create. But according to Jewish thought, it's it's doable. It, it, it can be done and it has been done. Thank you. Sure. So what is the role of music in terms of um, the renewal of, of Rosh Hashanah and everything like this? I was just talking about this um, with my son, like right before we started the, the, the talk today. Um, not, not really directly with Rosh Hashanah, but, but yes, with Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> we didn't use those words, but... Okay, so here's the thing. It's a, it's a thought that came to me over Shabbos. Um, and, and it's something that, um, that, that I think everyone should really try to wrap their minds around, because I, I, to me anyway, it's an important idea. And I'm going to tell it to you as I've given it over before, and then I'm going to add the musical element, if you will, okay? So, the, well, actually, maybe I'll just start with the music, okay? So, so it says in Pirkei Avos that God created the world with ten sayings, and 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 that God spoke the world into creation. Okay, so so Reb Shlomo says that God sang the world into creation. And I always wondered, what's the source for this? And then I saw Rabbi Trugman brought from the Tekune Zohar something so amazing that if you take the word Breshis, using all the letters of the word Breshis in the beginning, right, the first word of the Torah, and that the whole Torah is, excuse me, that the whole Torah is contained within that first word, says the Zohar. If you take the word Breshis and you rearrange the letters, it spells Shiras, Olive base, the song of the olive base. So here you see really a support that God sang the world into creation because we know that God created the world with the energies of the Hebrew letters. Okay, so why is why why is that significant? Um, and what what point do I want to make with that? You see, when God created the world, He he did two things simultaneously. He created the natural order, but at the same time that he created the natural order, he created the supernatural to defy the natural order. <laughs> and he threaded the supernatural within the natural order. And an illustration for that, that, that I came up with, but, but I think makes this point nicely, is the first letter of Breshis. See, the very first letter of Breshis is an, an enlarged letter base. Now, I saw from Rabbi Wolfson, Shlita, in the name of the Chasim Sofer, that anytime you see a large letter in the Torah, it's four times the gematria of the normal number. Okay. So that means that the opening letter of the Torah is two numbers simultaneously. It's base, which means two. Now, two stands for the natural order. You've got us and God, good and evil, right? Heaven and earth, right? It's like male and female, right? 
the natural order and the supernatural. You've, you've got all of these divisions, right? That's, that's, that's in the letter Bays, the number two. That's the natural order. But the first letter Bays is a large letter Bays, which is four times the gematria. So that's four times two, which is eight. Eight, everybody knows, is Lamala Minateva. It's above the natural order. That's why the Maharal explains that Hanukkah, which is the miracle of light, is eight days, not seven days. Because God creates the world in seven days. That's the natural order. And eight is one above the natural order. So do you see how simultaneously in the first letter of the Torah, you have two, two ideas at once. The natural order, that's Bayes being two. But at the same time, Bayes is also a large Bayes, which is the number eight. So it's eight and two at the same time. It's the natural order and the supernatural order within the natural order simultaneously. And that's the Jewish people. That's the power of the Torah. That's the power of mitzvahs. So now, let's connect it back to song. You see, and I actually want to do I ran out of time, but I wanted to actually make photographs of this and post them for you guys to see. But it's very easy to find, and, and ideally, you know what I'm talking about without having to look at it. If you look at the way songs are written in the Torah, they're written in a completely different way. And the two examples that I would point you to are the song that we, is the song that we sing, Az Yashir, when we cross the Red Sea, right? When the Red Sea splits, which is this miraculous thing, you'll see the way it's written in the Torah is different, completely different. The way the words are on the scroll, completely different from uh, just the rest of the Torah. There's all these wide spaces between all the words. And, and in most people's prayer books, every morning we say it, and, and you'll just see it in your, your prayer book completely different. The other example is, is a Parsha that we're about to get to, which is Hazinu, which is also a song. And those are two long columns with a big space in between. And by the way, just as an aside, something freaky, but it's true. When the Twin Towers were destroyed, it was on Parsha's Hazinu. And what, what is Parsha Sazinu? It's, it's, it's the Twin Towers. Tw it is Twin Towers. Yeah, so, but, but that's the least of it. I mean, it's, it's standing for way more than that. It's just, it's just a, 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 a striking thing, that's all. Um, but anyway, the point that I'm making is that when you see songs written in the Torah, it upends the natural order. Because the way they're written is completely different from the way everything else is written. So, getting back to the initial point now, when it says, God sang the world into creation, Shiraz olive bays, what I would like to say is that God didn't just create the world, but he also created this extra dimension to the world, which defies the natural order. And that's this idea that he sang. Now, now with this in mind, we can also understand better 
what it means that King Hezekiah experienced on behalf of the Jewish people this tremendous salvation. The entire Jewish people were about to be wiped out and Hashem made this army die in a plague. They all died. And it said that that would have been the war of Gog, Umagog, the war to end all wars, and Mashiach would have come. This is what the Gemara says. Except he didn't sing. So in other words, in other words, we were one song away. In other words, all the letters are here. The song is within creation. But now, like we were saying earlier, we are that outer garment. We are that outermost garment. If we sing, we become a reflection of that supernatural order. And so, to return to your question now, what is the role of singing on Rosh Hashanah? With this in mind, you've got to sing your heart out, right? Ideally, because the entire structure of the world is being created. This next outermost garment on the shell of the snail, so to speak, is about to be realized. And to the extent that we're singing this order into existence, we're infusing it with that level of gu'ula, of redemption, and that level of the beyond within, within our reality. Thanks for listening. We do this every week, so join in again next Sunday for our new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them. <laughs>